Amen. Our text today is in the book of Matthew. Book of Matthew, and we'll go first to chapter 22, verses 37 through 40, and then chapter 28 of Matthew 19 and 20 we'll be looking. I want to thank uh, uh, the group who has worked to put this directory together. They've done a really good job. I've not actually seen it yet, so I'm still, uh, I've been busy. And so uh, thank you, William, for heading this up, you and Monica and Linda. Our, our staff has done a wonderful job. Also, I think in uh, putting it all together yesterday, we had Sheila and Kathy also involved in all this. So thanks to everybody who's helped do this. I hope you'll enjoy it. It should help make you familiar with, with everything, that's, everything that's going on. All right. So we start, first of all, in Matthew chapter 22, and we look at verse uh, 37 through 40. <clears throat> and this is known as the Great Commandment. I'm going to read two of the most important passages in the New Testament as far as, as, far as us believers and what Jesus has to say to us, okay? So this is first Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40, and Jesus answered their the question, what is the great commandment? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then over in Matthew 27, I'm sorry, 28 and verses 19 Verse 18, Jesus said this, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And then he gives us what's known as the Great Commission. The Great Commandment, and now the Great Commission. And here it is, this is marching orders for the church. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so, as we look at, really, the purposes of the church, and a lot of what I'm saying today has come from a book that had a big impact on my life, and many of you have read this book by Rick Warren, The Purpose Driven Life. And uh, there's all kinds of good things, way beyond what I'll say, certainly, and and better than I could say, but, you know, he pastored a church of like, uh, I don't know, 20-something thousand people, and he's kind of hard to get. I'd trade pulpits with him for one Sunday just to see how it felt, but anyway, he talks about purpose, purpose. And, you know, we have in our bulletin listed what we consider a little summary of our church purposes. It's there on the front page of the bulletin. And uh, you will see there what we hold to be uh, the purposes of the church. And everything, really, that we do in any kind of organized way, somehow to fall into the purpose that God has for us as a church, as for us individually. And so the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, I mean, that's worship. Something we ought to be doing is worshiping. And so whatever mood you bring into the church when you come on Sundays, be praying about your own heart, getting yourself ready to worship God. You're not here to watch the choir or watch the preacher. We're here to let God watch our hearts. 
And so we're here to worship. And so uh, worship, ministry, evangelism, all those things fall in there. And here I want us to look at what this says in the Great Commission, baptizing them, baptizing them. So it's been a thrill today to baptize. Always an honor to me to baptize. Uh, I feel like I'm just representing you as we're baptizing uh, our, our, the people who come into the faith and also representing the Lord. We represent the Lord as a church. And so uh, the authority is Christ's authority. And he's given this, these marching orders to his disciples and, and we, they're passed on to us. There's three verbs there, going, baptizing, and teaching. And each one of those comes to helping make disciples. That's, what, that's what's involved, baptizing, going, baptizing, and teaching. <clears throat> Why is baptism important? Why did Jesus deem it important enough to give to his disciples as they went about? Well, uh, one thing is it, it emphasizes our identification with the body of Christ. Now, I've talked individually with each of these who've been baptized, and we've talked about the symbolism of the baptism, representing the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But another thing it does, it identifies us as believers. We practice a believer's baptism. And so a person is not baptized in our church. A person is not baptized until they have become a believer. And once they become a believer, then they are candidates for baptism. And so we are called as Christians to uh, not only believe in Jesus, but we're called to belong to his body, to his church. And so that's why it's important that we follow his prescribed method of being baptized. We, are, we, have, we have not only to believe, but to belong, to have a home, to have a people that we are Connected with in Christ's name. And we're not alone. We're not to be alone. We are, we are baptized into the church family. Uh, that person who has been baptized, these four that have been baptized this morning, and all of, a, all of us who have been baptized, we've been, we have been brought into a family. We've been brought into the church. Those people are now one with us. They're one with us. They're as, they're as important as those of us who've been baptized the longest time ago. And I don't know who, would, who that would be in here. Some of you may have been baptized maybe in the 30s or 40s. Way on back. Maybe 1830. I don't know. There's some old folks here. But anyway, the person who's just come in is as much one with us as him or her who has been with us even before any of the rest of us could remember. That would be you, Rosalie. You're not that old but you were here before the rest of us and so we're called to belong we when we're baptized we are when we baptize someone we are welcoming them into the family of God we're saying it's good to have you you're one of us we love you we're affirming them we want to support you in your walk with Christ there's a commitment there you say I don't even know these people well they're one with you they're a brother and sister with you in Christ and so uh, they and we have that, that connection now. Ephesians 2.19, the Living Bible says, You are members of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. 
So that's pretty good, you know. He said, before, we were all at you under somewhere, kind of running it alone. Now, you're a part of a family. And it's, and it's God's family. Uh, the church exists then to provide fellowship for believers. You see in our, in our mission statement on the front of the bulletin, you'll see the word fellowship. It is to help provide a place where we can be. And we can grow and we can learn and be encouraged and be encouragers and teach and share. Weep together, rejoice together. Things that we can be together in. And so the church is making disciples. And one of the important factors here is the matter of fellowshipping. The matter of fellowshipping. It's important that we treat everybody like our own. I told you the story, and I won't, I'd love to tell the whole story, but I just told it at Easter, I think. But I told you the story about picking this dead cat up off the road, thinking it, thinking it was our cat, and taking it and giving it a proper Christian burial in our little pet cemetery in the backyard, only to discover later that night my daughter welcomed our real cat back into the family. But we treated that cat, that strange cat, with such dignity. We're to treat everybody like they're our own. Assimilation helps make believers become belongers. And that's our role, I tell you folks. That's important. It's important. In Christ, Romans 12, 5, In Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And so, moving people from just being a part of our church into active membership and belonging in our church and serving in our church, that's our goal for every believer. So when you're talking about this church, you don't call it that church or their church. You call it my church. I don't like it when people say to me, your church, Charlie, when they're one of us. I don't tell them that, but it's my church. It's your church. It's our church. There's a lot of floating people around without a church. And believing means belonging. You become attached. God's looking for a place that's a warm place for His children. He wants them to have a home. He wants them to feel apart. And so... How do we do that? Well, here's some questions that, that some people bring maybe when they come to worship. And I think I told the Wednesday night group that I'm always conscious that somebody might be here who's looking for the Lord. And I like to say something about how you can become a Christian. You can ask God to forgive you of your sins and repent. And then trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Believe on Him 
that his death and burial and resurrection was for you. And that, that you are giving your heart to him. We sung that song, All That Thrills My Soul Is Jesus. He is more than life to me. We give our life to Jesus. So some questions people come in, come in they might ask. Do I fit in here? Will I be able to fit in to this church? And that's an important question to answer when you become part of this church. Is do I feel like I fit in with these people? Now, you might look at them sometimes. That's a mongrel bunch of people. Look at them. This is as humble a looking group perhaps as you could ever see. That'd be wonderful if that was true. But do I fit in? And so we need to keep praying that our church will grow in love and not, and not fade from love. Keep working on fresh eyes to see the people around you. One, one thing that churches our age, and I'm talking about our 70 plus years, I don't know how old we are anymore. How old is Bob? 70. It's your daddy now, Rick. <laughs> That's him. 77. Our 77 years. One thing about us is sometimes we can get ingrown. It's a very, very hard thing to resist. We just start sort of looking at our group, who we are, and we forget that our, our mission in life is to bring people into to a good, warm church and make them feel apart. You younger people keep that in mind. That's very important. You're a important part of it. You guys are too. You're Helping people see them with fresh eyes. When you come into the room, look around. Not just jee-hawing with the people that's just like you or you know or you hang with. I read somewhere that, that in a church of 200 or a church of 2,000, you're going to know about 67 people. And so there's 67 people here that you ought to know. That's going to take you out of your group. It's going to expand you. And get, get that going with each other. Don't get so bogged down and get nearsighted and tunnel vision that you quit looking around at who's there. One of the exciting things about a directory is to look in there. Well, I've been wondering who that is. Some of you have been coming here a long time and you see people around you that are different, that you don't recognize. You don't know who they are. That's one thing a church like uh, we can do. We can't do a lot of things. I, I talked to a fellow yesterday. He's a good Christian fellow. He goes to one of these great big churches here in the county. And uh, he visited here one Sunday back around, around uh, Christmas time. He brought, his, he brought his family here. His, mom, his mother and sister and... Uh, a couple other people in the family, and he just wanted them to come to a smaller church, and he knew me. And he came here, and he said, you know, 
And he loves his church. It's all good. We're not in competition, amen? He loves his church. He said, but one thing I noticed about your church is, and said, my son told me this, my teenage son. He said, these people act like they know each other. That's a big deal. He said, in our church, we don't know anybody that's beyond uh, an arm's length from us hardly. And so that's an important thing. That's what we have to offer. Um, another question. Does anybody here want to know me? <laughs> that's a good question. Does anybody here want to know me? And a lot of times, that's what, that's what that guy was talking about. You know? And so... The power of your relationship with others, friendship, you want to call it that, friendliness, actually getting to know someone just better than an acquaintance, taking up some time with them. I observed one of our people last week taking a brand new person in here and and basically shepherding them along through the church house and explaining to them different things that were going on. That's an important matter. It's an important thing. There's a story told of a soldier who got wounded in battle. And he went to the nearest military hospital. And he, he went in the first door and he walked down a long hallway. And, and he got down to the end of that hallway and it said, here's a door. It said, officers, and here's another for the enlisted. And the soldier went through the second door. Again, he was walking down a long hallway and he discovered two more doors. And one door said for party members, and the other said non-party members. And so he took the second door again and found himself out on the street. It's one thing to have a welcome, and we are a friendly church. I mean, that's a minimum. You can't be a church unless you've got, you've got some friendship in your heart. You know, representing the Lord, our friend. There's no other friend like Jesus, and we're his representatives. But we got to go beyond the front door. That boy said, I'll tell you one thing. The people didn't help me much, but they were well organized. You know, you can be organized all you want. But if you're not heart to heart with people, you know, it doesn't matter how smooth everything else is. Third question. Am I needed here? Those of us who are in ministry roles around here. That's part of our task. Is letting them know and finding a way to help them be needed. And be a part of things. And so, you folks who have come in here. I look at every one of you and I see somebody that's needed. And you bring something there's some kind of gift, and that's without even knowing specifically what your spiritual gift may be, but just knowing you. And this church needs you. And so, am I needed? Am I needed? So, I want to I ask you this. Um, do you identify yourself as a genuine believer in Jesus Christ? Ephesians 
said, Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of the household. Do you identify as a genuine believer? And secondly, I want us to think about this. Are we providing a spiritual family to support and encourage others to walk with Jesus? To walk with Jesus. Hebrews 10.24 says, let's consider one another. Let's think about each other. To provoke one another. To spur one another. To love and to good works. Look at each other. And how can I encourage you? How can... How can we encourage one another to love and to good things? And then verse 25 says, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. See, not coming to church can become a habit. Coming to church is a habit. It's a good habit, but it's a habit. And let's encourage one another, it says, and all the more as you see that day approaching. So some people might need a little touch on Saturday. You know, all the more as that day gets closer and closer. So, Father, we just want to bow before you today and recognize, Lord, what a blessing we have as a church family. A blessing to us to be a part of it. Lord, we're by no means perfect. We are human beings. Oh, that we were always full of love and our lips full of grace and mercy. Oh, that God, we always had the joy of Jesus uppermost in our life. We're not always at our best. And there are times we literally need to get on our knees and repent. And say, Lord, change me. Change my ways. Help, my, help me and my church. To be, Lord, really fulfilling the purposes that God has for us. People come, Lord, with all kinds of questions in their heart. Am I wanted? Am I needed? Can I find a place here that I can call home as a Christian? So, Lord, today, we just bow before you. And perhaps there's someone here that maybe that first question, am I a believer? Am I a genuine believer? Then the second question, do I have a church home? Do I have a people that I've joined myself with to be a fellow servant? And then thirdly, am I, am I doing my part to help the church be what it should be? And so, Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ who looks, and looks at all us sinners and God looks at us with hope. And with an offer of His help and grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing a song near to the heart of God. And so as we sing, think about the words. Are these words that you're singing with all your heart today? Let's, let's stand and sing this song together. And I invite you to come as God would lead you. I'd be glad to pray with you. Or if there's a place here on the altar if you'd like to, if you'd like to be. Okay, so God bless you.
There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God, a place which sin cannot molest, near to the heart of God. Oh, Jesus, bless, Redeemer, save from the heart of sweet dear to the heart of God a place where we our Savior meet dear to the heart of God oh Jesus bless Redeemer sit from the heart of God hold us Oh, 